Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Let's go to sleep, people. No, no, don't go to sleep around these people. Oh, no, no, not yet. Eh? <laughs> don't go to sleep around these people. <laughs> okay, so, for those of you who are wondering what the hell I'm talking about, this week we are reviewing a show called Papa no Yugoto wo Kikenasai. Otherwise, translates to, listen to me, girls, I am your father. Mm-hmm. Before we dive into this show, which is going to put me on an FBI watch list, <laughs> we have the question of the week. And this is an article that you chose, Mamach, from uh, CBR.com. Yeah, thank and you, it's CBR. the 10 most controversial writing decisions. No, they just, they just need to start sponsoring the show. Uh, <laughs> the 10 most controversial writing decisions in anime history. Um, so I guess these are changes from the manga story to the anime. So it's showing that changes in the manga story or turning heroes into villains. Anime writers have enraged dedicated fans countless times. So we're going to look at the top 10 worst of these. Yeah. Or the top 10 most controversial. Controversial, yeah, I guess. So again... Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do this the way we always do. If we haven't watched it, we're just gonna we're just not gonna touch it. But if one of us has watched it, they'll take the lead. If both have watched it, we'll both talk about it. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna start at number ten. So oh, this actually this is gonna be a little different because of the fact that we we may not have read the manga. I don't read a lot of manga anymore. I ain't got the time. So yep. but we'll 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 see how it chops up. Like, did it seem right or not? Mm-hmm. So, number 10, we're starting with The Promise of Neverland, and it's rewriting everything after the escape. So, I'm going to read their article so everyone knows exactly what they say, then we'll give our two cents. So, it says, in just five episodes, The Promise of Neverland's second season turned its beloved predecessor into one of history's worst anime adaptations. Not only was the amazing child protagonist Emma and her family's escape from the desert bunker different from the manga, but entire arcs and characters were replaced with terrible new material. Details behind these controversial writing decisions are scarce. At best, it could be that it could be concluded that this happened thanks to rushed production, budget cuts, and intense creative differences. The second half of Promised Neverland season two was so bad that it killed whatever goodwill fans of the manga and anime once had for it. Um, we obviously did watch this. We did uh, review it, and I definitely think yeah, the second half of season two was lackluster. Like, yeah, it felt really right. weak and really, like... Right after they left the bunker, right? But before that... Yeah, everything got really okay. smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before, it was good before that, but everything got really smooth and, like, they were, we got no problems now kind of thing as they were just going down, like, nothing changed. Yeah. Like, there was no, like... There was no uh, stress or, like, uh, opposition to how things were going. So, yeah, I definitely think that that's definitely one that the writing decision, I guess, and the changes in the writing just didn't make the show worse for wear. Yeah, the ending just doesn't feel right. It's just like, what, they are taking the shortcuts and something is missing from there, you know? It is so good before right. that. And oh, right at the end, it, oh, it's just, I don't know. So it's this is the reason down. why, I guess. Yeah, the teacher in writing. Oh, too bad. It is such a good show too. 
Yeah, it was started off as a show that was definitely a banger, but yeah, it definitely went somewhere weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Number nine, we have the melancholy of Haru Haruhi Suzumiya. One of these days, I'm going to speak Japanese. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the endless eight. I, I think you don't Marshall. know anything about this, right? Uh, I don't think I've seen this show. It doesn't jump out to me as something I've watched before. But the name sounds familiar, so I'm wondering if I heard it in passing or talked to somebody about it, but I don't I don't think I've ever watched it. Okay. So it says that when uh, the selfishly written Haruhi wanted a perfect summer vacation to last forever, she was accidentally created a time loop that ran for more than 15,000 days. Uh, Kion and Malakali of Haruhi Suzumiya fans felt this firsthand because the anime played the same episode eight times with little to no significant differences between each repeat. Although, although the idea of having viewers experience a fraction of uh, Haruhi's time loop was artistically bold and gained some retrospective praise, it backfired immensely. Immensely. Uh, the Endless Eight permanently scuttled the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya's once glowing reputation, and it vanished from the zeitgeist seemingly overnight. Um, um, I have not watched that, but I could absolutely understand how that could get mind-numbingly annoying. I mean, it, it is the same storyline each time, but it, they use like, a different perspective each time in the episodes. I can yeah, but if nothing I... really changes, that would still, I don't know, for me, it would still drive me nuts. It's like, okay, we're hitting the same story from another perspective again and again and again and again and again and again. That would piss me off. Yeah, it, it's a little bit to too much. It, it's a little bit too much. It, it's kind of like, like the the ground Groundhog Day effect kind of, kind of deal, you know? It's kind of like the same thing over and yeah, over again. It's Groundhog like Day, different. Well, no, no, no. Groundhog's Day had very distinct differences. When they showed you the full day, it was completely different day. I think the first day, the second day, maybe the third day, they did exactly they did the same with very small differences. But after that, when they were showing everything that was, most of what was going on, it was very distinct difference because he was basically just like, well, if nothing's going to change. I can do whatever I want and just went basically insane with it. So. You saw plenty of differences with that, but mm-hmm. if the, if this is like they're describing it, where like you have small, very small differences for eight episodes, I could understand why people hated it. Yeah, it's a little bit too much. If they go with like three or four episodes max with the time looping stuff, I think it is okay. But yeah, eight episode. Yeah, um, I did skip like one or two episodes. <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't be over here trying to talk about. No, it was fine. It was fine. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But but other than that, it's a good show. It's a good premise. All right, uh, we got number eight. This is one I'm gonna have an opinion on. Shipping Mm -hmm. Ichigo and Rukia Kuchiki. So Ichigo and Rukia, or Ichiruki, were Bleach's flagship romantic pairing. Ichiuki. Uh, one of the most popular ships in the anime community, Bleach early says episode teased their growing love for each other. This culminated in their tearful farewell after Aizen's defeat, and the movie fade to black. However, none of this happened in the manga. 
Originally, Ichigo and Rukia were just really close friends. Ichigo was officially paired with Orihime, but Rukia and Renji, for whatever reason, Bleach's animators chose to pair Ichigo and Rukia instead. This sparked one of the most intense shipping wars seen in the anime fandom that continues to rage even to this day. I will tell you now, I am 100% Ichi Orihime, man. Don't play with me. Ichigo does not belong with Rukia at all. Absolutely not. So, yeah, Rukia yeah, is always with Renji. Decision. It's always with Renji. And we saw that in the um, Thousand Year Blood War stuff, right? Yeah. 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 It makes no sense to have her paired up with Ichigo. None. Uh, Ichigo, yeah, we're not even, we're, we're, we're about to complain about this anymore. <laughs> it's, it's, it, that's what it was supposed to be. That's what it should be. It's Ichigo Hime. Get it over with. Okay, stop playing with me. I mean, they they are playing the trope with the like both of the main protagonists basically like end up with each other kind of stuff, you know. And yeah, I yeah, guess they doesn't they, feel they, real, man. Doesn't feel real. Yes, yes, I know, I know. And they backpedal on that in, in the um, season two, I guess. Uh, doesn't your blood war stuff? Um, so I guess that's great. All right, let's go on to number seven. Yui's digital re- Yui's digital resurrection from Sword Art Online. Um, so mm. halfway through Sword Art Online's opening arc, Kirito and Asuna seemingly accepted that they would be a- wouldn't be able to escape the game anytime soon. Settled down, started a family by adopting an in-game NPC. After enjoying their time together, Yui sadly died. Instead of accepting this, Kirito hacked the game to bring her back to life. To Sword Art Online's many detractors, this right decision solidified the anime's status as a hollow power fantasy that only existed to placate fans' surface-level desires. The fact that this was only was only the most egregious of many instances where the overpowered Kiriko got what he wanted without challenge or consequence didn't help. Um, you know, honestly, this... I don't know if I find this to be super controversial. Um, I agree with everything they say about Sword Art Online. <laughs> but I don't find this particular instance to be very controversial. I mean, they they introduced this arc kind of like um to relieve their their stress or seriousness quite a bit or their te- te- tension quite a bit in the story. And for the most part, introducing Yui is just like a fan service, but they took like a very serious route with that. And I, I guess it's okay. Uh, it turned out well right at the end um yui did help in some cases like after like um trying to save um asuna from the the second half of the uh, season one so she did help quite a lot in in that part so i I don't think that yui is just like a throwaway character um in sword art online and by introducing her in in this show it it might be controversial, but I think it's a good um action or good option to take for the show to to move on. You might yeah, but you you have to put you have to put some level of difficulty in it though. Yeah. And there just wasn't there were no consequences or anything. It's just like well he wanted to do it, so he did it. So it doesn't it, it takes away any kind of like satisfaction in it. I, I mean, the the AI did died or like reset itself and um kirito did manage to hack the system and 
save the whole um, core of the AI into his headset. Now she she live in his headset, you know. Is out of the system. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that word shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Come number on. six. Number six, we've got Death Note. Light Yagami's sympathetic characterization. So, uh... Death Note, like choosing to become Kira and kill people in the name of justice, was a necessary evil. The world was filled with evil people. And it was up to Light and his team to purge them. For this, Light was rewarded by being outed to the po- by the police and getting a mercy kill from Reek. This was very different from the manga. Originally, Light was a monstrous narcissist who pathetically begged Reed not to kill him. The anime all but agreed with Light's worldview and sympathized with him. It went out of its way to show Light as a likable and tragic anti-hero, not a despicable villainous protagonist. To base out whether Light was right or not continue even to this day. See, this one is a little bit different for me. Um, the reason being is... To my knowledge, it's been a minute since I've watched Death Note. Light started out only killing the worst criminals. Yes. If memory serves me correctly. Yep. So using that as a, I'm making the world a better place by getting rid of people who should not be in it, lends itself to a certain anti-hero situation. And it's less of a narcissistic point of view. Like, he's not saying I'm the only one who knows what's right and wrong. He's saying that society has told you these people are wrong. They've been tried and convicted of their crime. They need to go away. So it's less about him being narcissistic and more about him being the final hand of judgment, which is has its own tones of narcissism. Um, I mean, we only think, watch the anime, I right? I don't think you read the manga. Right. Neither I didn't do read I. The manga. So, mm-hmm. but the thing about it is, that, like, if that's a big change. If he just started killing random people left and right, then yeah, sure, we can say that he's being a narcissist. Mm-hmm. But the way it's written, the way if Light is written the same way, as far as who he kills and why he does it, I don't see. I see this as more of a a, a change for the better. Because you're turning him from this just, well, he's evil, so he's evil, and we're going to make him fear death at the last minute, even though he's been death incarnate the whole run. Um, I, I prefer the anime version that to what they're showing me of the manga version. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we cannot say like very deeply about what happened in the manga because we don't read them. But the, the, the anime adaptation part of, of this is... Well suited for for this type of character, you know. It doesn't feel like weird. It doesn't like feel like uh, like a weird writing uh, suddenly changed uh, right at the end or something like that. It was w- well written yeah. for the adaptation, at least. We don't know much about the manga. Yeah, it feels very. It feels very. It feels very uh, purposeful and very natural to the story. Yes. Yes. Doesn't feel weird at all. All right. So I guess we're gonna. <laughs> So number five, are we spoiling this one? Uh, hmm. Yeah, why not? Why not? All right, fuck it. All right, number five, Aaron Yeager was the final villain, Attack on Titan. <laughs> mind you, though, keep in mind, I'm spoiling this for myself as well, because I haven't watched the final season, because I don't know if it's really the final season or not. Yeah. Um, 
So Attack on Titans ultimate twist was that the entire anime was actually Aaron Yeager's villainous origin story, not his heroic journey. After experiencing too many tragedies and discovering the truth, Aaron swore to avenge LDNs by ending the world. Some fans praised Aaron's descent into evil, while others felt misled by the anime. Aaron's villainous turn was uh, also evenly split the fan base between those who agreed with his global genocide and those who didn't. Attack on Titan's thinly veiled uh, nationalist subtext didn't help this controversial writing to case amongst detractors. Time will tell if the anime will adapt the manga equally, manga's equally controversial ending, or do something new. See, I don't... I never saw this as a heroic journey. Like, I saw it in the beginning when it was just the Titans. Once they introduced the whole like I other countries yeah and the LDNs like once you introduced all that no you saw that this oh this isn't this isn't a, a man trying to survive in the world this is a, this is gonna be a revenge story yeah this is gonna be all out war and this somebody's getting murdered yep. it was not a heroic journey once you got to season three period so I'm not I was not sure I was I don't know where you got this idea from <laughs> and the whole concept of like him's like, like I will say yes, the uh, nationals, the nationalist subtext, absolutely, the nationalist subtext is strong with this. So the whole genocide thing, I don't know who's agreeing with genocide. <laughs> um, I mean, at least there, there's a reason behind what... it. They put like a very strong reason behind it. It is not like um, just yeah, but I still don't know who's agreeing with genocide. genocide. Yeah, it is not like that. I mean. I mean, even Aaron yeah, become right. like emo dark Aaron now. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Like, there were still situations where I was like, now nah, they had that shit coming. Like, um, uh, fuck, I can't remember the what the what the girl's name is. It's an, uh, the Eldians are the ones who trapped Aaron's people on the island, right? Yes. Okay, so there was the Eldian little girl who shot the potato girl from uh, that was part of the scout ship, the scout corps. Um, Gabi? Fuck Gabi? Yes, Gabi. The one who fucking killed Gabi. So, yeah. No, fuck that bitch. So, <laughs> like, fucking Daddy Fastnap said in his song, the, literally the opening is, fuck them kids. Absolutely. Fuck, fuck them, them kids. kids. Fuck them yeah. kids. Shout out. Fuck them kids. Okay, so in that situation, stomp on that ass. Shout out to Daddy Fastnaps. Um, <laughs> but absolutely, that I'm fine with. But other than that, in the direct like the direct conflict of war, like people on a battlefield, the whole concept of like yeah we're doing this whole genocide thing is like I don't know who the fuck's agreeing with a genocide. Individual people, whatever. Whole ass like groups of people, nah, we're not playing that game. <laughs> we're not agreeing <laughs> with that shit under any circumstances. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know who's agreeing with that shit, but you need to talk to somebody. Um. Okay, so we're gonna go to number four. This is what I'm gonna have to stand out on. Uh, it's Puella Mag- it's that Puella Majimodoka Magica the movie Rebellion. Uh, Hamura Hamura Akemi became evil. I know nothing about the show. Why don't you watch this one? I don't watch the movie, sadly, you know. So we gotta so skip this we one. We will we'll skip this one. Uh, number three, Shinji Ikari sexual offense in the hospital. What 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 now? <laughs> I thought Evangelion couldn't get no fucking worse. So the end of Evangelion. Yeah. So in 1997, the end of Evangelion served as Neon Genesis Evangelion's true and highly controversial finale. The cinematic conclusion set its dark and polarizing tone when it opened with Shinji violating Asuka Langley Soyu while she was in the hospital. The fuck, sir? 
This moment starts Cindy's reputation even amongst Evangelion's biggest fans. Some viewers felt this ride decision was a disturbing yet justified way to show that Shinji at his show Shinji at his worst. Others saw it as one of the most needlessly depraved things a character ever did. Even after Evangelion redeemed itself through the less distressing and more hopeful rebuild movies, this scene remained one of its lowest points. Um, I didn't think Evangelion could get any fucking worse. Apparently, I was wrong, sir. Um. This is what what Emily was uh, was saying about Shiji is uh, strangling Asuka right at the end after the third impact. I, I think this is the part in the movie, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, it, it, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> it definitely didn't help. It definitely wouldn't help the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't watch we didn't watch the movies, but this the, the, I can't see it helping the show in any way. So yeah, uh, yeah that's kind of fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, Princess Multi S Mel mess that pet that fuck. Princess Multi S Mel remark framed now for Iwatami for assault. Rising of the Shield Hero. So this, for this is, one, Rising of the Shield. Yeah, this is the the bitch. So far. <laughs> yeah. So, so it became one of the most devices isekai anime the moment it began. This was the basis for its entire plot. Yep. For the rest of that season, was that multi framed Naomi for sexual assault? The fact that she basically ruined his new life in another world for fun didn't help her or the anime's case. Many criticized this plot for playing into misogynist lie that victims only accused men of assault for attention. Others gave the writing decision a chance because they wanted to see how the anime would handle such a heavy subject. Everyone left disappointed when Nafumi used it as a convenient excuse for his pettiness and rudeness. Hold the fuck up. Oh my hold god. The fuck up. Oh my god. Hold the fuck up. <laughs> hold hold the entire fuck up. Um <laughs> Wow. Hold, this wait, dude. We're gonna pause we're gonna wrong. pause on this. I need yes. to see something. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, who wrote this? Okay, Angelo Delos Trinos. Okay. I'm going to say this shit first off, okay? I'm going to say this first off. Okay. I, the, it was She didn't do it for attention. She didn't do it because it gave her popularity, it gave her power, it gave her status. None of that shit. So I don't know where he got this idea that it plays into the lie that the victim only accused men of assault for attention. She did it as a means to get rid of the shield hero. Yes. So the attention thing is has nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the, the when saying everyone left to, left disappointed when now Fumi used it as convenient excuse for his pettiness and rudeness. Ho, the fuck, oh. sir? His pettiness and rudeness. So it's petty to want revenge for someone who literally could have been your entire could have caused your entire death and downfall in this world. That's not and, and rudeness. Rudeness goes out the fucking room. See, I'm getting a little emotional about this because this is fucking stupid writing. This is terrible. This is a terrible ass writing on on how to view what happened after it came to light that she lied. Yeah. It wasn't about pettiness. It was about revenge. Mm-hmm. Revenge is different than pettiness. And rudeness goes out the window because we're no longer dealing in a polite society situation here. So that whole last sentence doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. If you want to say everyone left disappointed because of the way that he sought vengeance, then yeah, you can say that. But 
my issue lies in the fact you're saying it's a convenient excuse for his pettiness and rudeness when he's not petty or rude to anyone else who did not wrong him first. So it's not an excuse, it's a reason. People need to learn the difference between a reason and an excuse. So I'm gonna throw this whole last one out because it's all bullshit. Yes, I mean, and it doesn't even dude, say that it wasn't in has the done f- nothing wrong and he's trying to mind his own business after that, right? And they kept going like, oh my God. And the funny thing is, it doesn't even say that it wasn't in the manga. Hmm. So So I'm questioning. Yeah, how how the manga starts then? How the whole whole thing starts? Because I'm going to go back and read what it said. It's uh, just like any form of entertainment, anime is prone to making writing decisions that can't satisfy everyone. Some fans support the writing choices in question, while others don't. This kind of conflict be expected. After all, storytelling. Okay, so the problem lies in the the problem lies in the subtitle or the sub because um, you have the title of the article and then you have the little blurb right underneath it. By changing the manga story or turning heroes into villains, anime writers have enraged dedicated fans countless times. So that makes you think they're comparing the on, the anime to the manga. That's not what that's not what hap- what's happening. They're actually just compare just choosing writing decisions and saying whether or not they're controversial, regardless of whether or not they're changed from the original source material. Yeah. So I guess they are questioning the whole premise of the show then. Yeah. My God. Yeah, that's that's a terrible take. Um, Mm -hmm. Moving on to number one. Uh, Number one, I think we're going to have to skip. Have you seen this one? It's called Oremo. Oremo. Um, I have watched this one. Okay. So the problem is that Kiyosuke Kosaka and Kirino Kosaka get married. Yes, they are siblings. uh, uh, I'm sorry, what the fuck? Yeah, they are siblings. Brother and sister. Related to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's a little okay. bit weird. Yeah. Um, I don't okay. think we need to say more than that. <laughs> this is, yeah, top tier weird. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not even gonna argue that one. That's it. That's that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sure. All sure. right. So you guys, if you want to read the article yourself, I will put the link in the description, like always, and you can check this one out in the um, cbr.com. All right. So now that we've got our topic of the week out of the way, it's time to dig into the meat of this shows up of this episode. That's the show's episode. The fuck. Uh, well, we are going to be talking about once again. Listen to me, girls. I am your father. Uh, synopsis for this one's going to come from MyMemilist.net, and it goes like this. Yuta Sagawa was, has just started his freshman year of university. One day, his sister Yuri, who raised him after their parents died, asked him to take care of her daughters Hina, Sora, and Miyu, while she and her husband go overseas on a business trip. Yuta grudgingly accepts, but tragedy strikes when their plane goes missing and all passengers are presumed dead. In an effort to prevent the three girls from being split up, Yuta goes against their family and takes them in, just as his sister took him in when he had no one else. Now the four find themselves in a new, peculiar situation. Yuta must learn how to balance his his new responsibilities as the newest member of the Street Observation Research Society, a club for people watching, and also as a father figure, while Sora, Miyu, and Hina come to terms with the loss of their parents. 
That's the synopsis for my for uh, Listen to Me Girls. I'm your father from MyMillist.net. Mamats, what did you score this show, sir? So I will give it like seven and a half. And my slogan for it is sometimes the most irrational action is the best option. This show is getting a two out of ten for me. Oh no. I uh, and my slogan is if if you don't pee, if you don't stop ogling your goddamn nieces, you sick perverted bastard. All right. <laughs> Mind you, I am thoroughly fucking confused on how this show got a 7.26 on my own list out there. Yeah, there's some weird shit like that, like, like the, the whole fan service and uh, yeah, it, it doesn't suit the, the whole story. I agree with that. That's why doesn't suit it, the whole story doesn't suit the whole story. This show is just about pedos. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it oh, is. Yeah, yeah. It is relatable to a lot of people. These circumstances, you know. No, 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 no. The circumstances of which it is relatable is that sometimes children end up losing their parents, and their siblings have to step up and take control and raise them as their own and sacrifice in their own lives to help them in the situation. Yeah. We've seen this done correct before. With Gaku and babysitters. Nowhere in Gaku and babysitters was your main character ogling the butt cheeks of a 10 year old. <laughs> um, I mean, he's not into that. I mean, he's into like the, the 14 year old one, but but still, that no, is wrong. No, no, but... no, 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 no. We're gonna, we gonna get to the 14 year old. Mm-hmm. The episode where he shows up at his sister's house. And the 10-year-old lets him in after climbing all over his happy ass. Mean, mind you, side note, why the fuck is she drawing like she's 16? But she's 10. <laughs> that point aside. Climbing all over him. Because I'm sorry. I, well, I'm going to pull up character design and I'm going to talk about character design. I don't want to mm-hmm. talk about character design. Okay. I'm going to. Okay. Because literally, if I'm not mistaken, they're over here. Okay, in this picture, she's got that looks all kinds of wrong. In this in this picture, <laughs> she's fairly flat. There were pictures, there were scenes in that in in this show where they were showing her like she had some kind of curvature pressing up on somebody. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bitch ten. Yeah. Can it happen? She, yes. She, she's ten. Is it likely? Not so much. Mm-hmm. That point aside, the episode. Where he gets, where she shows up to the house and she pulls him in the house and she's reaching up on the shelf to grab something. Why does the camera pan down to her ass? Well, it goes to him and him looking at her. Then the camera zooms in, pans down on her ass as her shorts lift up a bit and start exposing like a cheek. And he just looking. That was red flag number one. <laughs> This is red flag number one. This is the shit that gets you put on the FBI list. And rightfully so, sir. Yeah, I mean... Because you're going to be suspect. This, this kind of tropes, like, happen, like... This kind of crime, I guess, happens back then, right? 
like a lot of like slice of life anime or slash harem or or whatever. What you, this kind what of, you mean of, back then? This is from 2012, sir. Yeah, yeah. That era, man. That era. I, I'm sorry. Maybe this is my age showing, but 2012 mm-hmm. was not that long ago. I did not see a great deal of anime having people fucking ogling 10 year olds. Because you, you don't watch slice of life slash drama anime, right? You only watch like that's what? another reason for me not to watch slice of life, man. Yeah, if you are into this kind of genre back then, this is like the typical tropes. I mean, it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. Not to watch slice of life ever. <laughs> it doesn't make it right, but then, yeah, this is well, back then. If that wasn't enough. Right. If that wasn't enough, you got the 14 year old, the 15 year old. I'm not, I'm not sure. Exactly. 14 year old. I thought she was 15. Uh, Sora. Mm-hmm. 14. You got the 14 year old. And again, okay, I'm not bugging. I'm not bugging. In this picture, she's relatively flat chested. And the, in the fucking cover art, she's got roundies. Okay. She's got what? She's she's got, if she, if she was wearing a different shirt, she'd have cleavage. Okay. The inconsistent drawings on this, they literally did the poster to make her appear curvier than she is in the show. And there are scenes where she is very modestly drawn. But then, you, the number of times he ends up seeing her half naked and using this typical trope of like, oh, you saw me naked, slap you in the face. And it's so much wrong with this. There's <laughs> so much wrong with this. Like, I don't have a huge problem with her crushing on him. It is extremely weird because that is her fucking uncle. Although it is not but blood. So, it is weird, but I don't have a huge problem with it because I've seen that trope, of course, in anime and in uh, even American films and movies and TV shows. So, it's not a huge issue for me. It's a little weird, but it's not a huge issue for me. But then we get to the extended characters. The extended character list <laughs> consists of Odoraika, who consistently is trying to figure out exactly what kinks Yuta has so that she can use them when they eventually get together. They didn't, they didn't get together in the show, but we know this is where the fuck they're headed. Then you have his boy, Koichi Nimura, who's kind of a hoe. He's a hoe, but he's a wholesome hoe. He's going for college girls. He's a good I got guy. no problems with him. Mm-hmm. He is. Mm-hmm. And see, they didn't put his punk ass on the front page of the characters because I'm like, no, we can't let people see this bastard. Where the fuck is your <laughs> name, sir? I know you're here. Yeah, the, the other guy. Yeah, the other yeah. guy. So, fucking, no, don't fucking move. Shuntaro Sako. <laughs> this motherfucker right here. This motherfucker right here. Yeah. Is an absolute. He he tries to blackmail people using sexual shit, but he's not. That is is fake. Then he is an absolute pedo, one hundred percent unadulterated, unfiltered pedo. He hears the voice of a five year old, four year old, and immediately is like, "My angel, that's creepy as fuck, sir. Very creepy. Maybe you just think that four year olds are cute. Fine. Um, no. Then he meets the four, the ten year old." No, she, she was four. I think she's three. Three years old. She yeah. cannot be three. She cannot be three. She's three years she's old. She's three. She, <laughs> she is entirely too communicative for a three-year-old, but whatever. <laughs> so here's a voice of a three-year-old. It's like, my angel. 
fucking creepy. But I mean, he's into the ten-year-old. Like five seconds. He's into like, and then he's into the ten-year-old, and he's but he starts he starts he goes off the fucking deep end of the pedal boat. Okay, he is so deep in the pedal pool. There's shark swimming in that shit. No, no, who greenlit this shit? Who greenlit? You got a dude whose parents died, so he had to be raised by his sister. Then you have that same sister get married to a dude with two kids, have a child of her own. So there's three girls now. Then she got on a plane with her husband, and they disappear. And now the same brother that she had to raise has to give up his life to raise her kids. Because the rest of the family's like, oh, well, we got to split these bitches up. So yeah. I'll take that one because she looks vaguely Japanese. You take that one because she's half Japanese and this blonde bitch can go to a boarding school. The fuck, sir? The fuck did you say? Yeah. He's like, well, this was best for the girls. No, it's not. This was best for your punk ass. Don't yeah. try to act like you're doing what's good for the girls because you don't want to be inconvenienced. So fuck mm-hmm. all of your family. The whole ass family, sir. Fuck all y'all. Mm-hmm. Now, back to the main cast. <laughs> you got this perverted dude who's cheeky, looking at the butt cheeks of a ten-year-old who's now responsible for a ten-year-old, a fourteen-year-old, and a three-year-old in a single bedroom, in a single nope, sorry, in a studio apartment. Do it. He's a college who student. Who's friends with an absolute pedophile? Yeah. He's a college student who should not be checking out the butt cheeks of a ten-year-old. Who is best? Who is apparently friends in air quotes with a dude who is an absolute pedophile who simply has not gotten caught yet. I swear to God, if I found his computer and went to his hard drive, I'm sure I'd be scarred for life. <laughs> yeah. No, there. Everything is wrong with this show. There's no redemption for me in this show. Okay, it, any redemption that could have happened was spoiled by just how okay they are with the pedo dude. Yeah. Then yeah. we're gonna move away from the subject matter, and I'm, I'm ranting a lot, and I apologize. I it's okay. It's okay. About this shit, it's okay. I need to get the shit out. <laughs> we're, 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 we are all about that, man. We're we gonna go to this. Yeah. Yes. So we're gonna go back to the story, not only the story, but the formatting of the show. They jump around entirely too fucking much. It seems so disjointed. There are multiple instances, especially in the beginning, when I'm watching this, I'm like, did I miss something? Did I skip an episode? No. These fuckers are just jumping around for no reason. It took me forever to realize that this dude wasn't working at a company in the first episode. He's like, I'm going out, I guess I'll go out for a drink. Because he seemed like he was going out drinking like with, the, with his work colleagues. And then next thing I know, he's tied up in a room. It's very disjointed. The pacing is terrible. Yeah, just no. I got I got nothing for this show. I got no love for this show. <laughs> it's a welcoming party for, for the new students, man. He just got into the, the college. He did a shit job of explaining that. Yeah. And then he was trapped by, by the pedo dude to joining the road club or something like that. That is the yeah, whole game right. to but make. He got yeah. he got drunk off of the fumes. Yeah, yeah. Of, of being in a room with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Really, never I, in the history of mankind, sir. <laughs> I, I because you guys out there um, grow up like with alcohol, I guess, and some part of the other world we, doesn't. We even, grow up. No, we yeah. grow up. 
No, 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 no. Hold up, hold up. Because you make it seem like we just out here just on fucking benders all day, every day. That's not the case. <laughs> we There are times when people will be in a room together drinking, yes. Mm. But even if you had 100 people in a room, because they didn't look like they had anything beyond beer, and that was it. Even if I was in a room full of 100 people drinking fucking vodka, and they were lighting it on fire to make to uh, not evaporate. There's a word vaporize the alcohol in the in the fucking glass. Okay, putting that shit into the air, you still could not get a baby drunk on those fumes, sir. <laughs> but you're gonna get a grown ass man drunk on the fumes from drinking beer from people around him consuming beer while he's drinking apple juice. I mean, so, sometimes there are people like take take what one one one, uh, one shot of the drink and just got drunk, right? There, there are people like that. A single a single shot, it's extremely unlikely. So the reason being is there's actually a formula to this because there there is such a thing as tolerance. So we'll mm-hmm. take a zero tolerance, which doesn't technically exist. We'll say a two, zero tolerance. Then you have to look at body weight and mass. And those are different. And that will tell you how much the alcohol will affect you. So myself, being as big as I am, I when I had zero tolerance, I could do two, three shots and be fine. But a dude who is 120 pounds, which is a very small dude, could do two shots maybe and maybe start feeling tipsy if he hasn't eaten anything. You would have to be very, very skinny to take a single shot and black out. I mean, incredibly unhealthy, malnourished even. You could get a little tipsy, giddy, like maybe even buzzed, but you would not get blackout drunk from a single shot. Yeah, you, you need Unless to know that Japanese crazy. people are small. I understand that, which is why I said 120-pound man. Mm-hmm. The average, hold on, you going, we're going to Google. You're making me go to Google. Yes, of course. So make me do it. <laughs> average weight. <laughs> of a Japanese male. 138 pounds. I was, I was, I'm giving you an extra 18 pounds under. Mm-hmm. Okay. 138 pounds. You could not get blackout drunk with a zero tolerance from a single shot. It's just not a thing. <laughs> so you, you're going to tell me he got blackout drunk from vapors, from beer. Get, get, the, get the fuck out of here with that I... shit, sir. You could have said anything. You said you could have said they slipped him the wrong drink. But you were like, no, you got drunk off fumes. Absolutely got drunk, sir. Comedy bit, man. Comedy bit. Terrible comedy bit. Comedy is only good if it makes sense. <laughs> But for me, I enjoy the story despite the whole weird um, fan service stuff that happens in here. Um, yes, the, the pedo dude, the, the whole edgy stuff with the kids is just um, not going to fly in this age. Um, it shouldn't have... The, the anime shouldn't have got, got a green light from the beginning if we are talking like now. 
but back then there's a whole lot of this kind of tropes um in anime in the slice of life slash drama genre slash harem and yeah they are also into like the um incest stuff too that's why like like in the the article that we discussed um oremo that is why that the kind of um sibling married to each other is a thing because yeah that that kind of era or that kind of trend exists back then um nowadays slice of life uh slash drama genre is just like a normal as normal as it can be and and they minimize the fan service quite a bit and they are not really like ancestry stuff in there um so i think that is a good evolution of that genre and this kind of like a look back to the past just set a reminder that that stuff doesn't fly anymore and at least i enjoyed the, the whole story um like i said the whole story line is uh, relatable to a lot of people um I'm pretty sure that a lot of people have this kind of circumstances when they are growing up or they have to take responsibility to take care of their their younger siblings in a lot of ways. And it really shows. Um, it is as real as it can be. Um, it is not all like um, all fun and rainbows out there. Um, this is life. This is reality. Um, this dude um isn't perfect um he's trying his best to take care of um his uh younger um siblings um despite the shortcomings that he has he knows it is impossible but he's not uh, giving up and trying his best to do what he can um in the end they, they are helping uh, each other to to survive and the friend or the people around them is also like giving them like a very positive um what do you call that um support to help them survive in a way um i think the, this is great message or at least um a great representation of how to survive in this very harsh reality world that we live in you know my my main problem is the fact that I can't separate the two. I can't overlook the, the horrible pervy pedo shit for the sake of the storyline. Yeah, I know. Which, in my opinion, is already weak. Which mm-hmm. is already weak for me. Um, because then you have weird shit like the landlord coming out of nowhere being like, "You got to get the fuck out." Yeah, she like, said ass. Really? Like, uh. What? Like. I just can't. Like the story for me was was weak on its head, um, or weak on its face, I should say. Um, I, I mean, in reality, and then you have the rest of it on top of it. I just can't. People are facing that that kind of like a landlord or landlady, um, in real life. Yeah, as no, well, that, right? that part. Occasionally, you guys have different rules than we do. Mm. I guess. Or Japan has different rules than we do for the contracts for renting an apartment. Yeah. So when I rent an apartment here, the only people who have to be on a lease are the people who are over the age of 18. And there is no restriction on the number of occupants other than what is restricted by fire code. 
So, like, I can't have a studio apartment and have 10 people living there because it's unsafe by fire code. Mm-hmm. But if I have three, four kids, they can't say anything. And my kids don't need to be on the lease. And there's no number of occupants on the lease. So, there's a disconnect based on region, sure. But it just seems really, really weird that she would get super upset about that without just being like, we got to change your lease or anything like that. Just being like, no, instantly, you got to go. It's just very weird. And then where did the ghost shit come from? Which one? Just randomly, it's like, when they're looking for new apartments, and it's like, yeah, this place is the same cost as yours, but it's like all this space, and it's great, and it's amazing. And it's like, well, what's wrong with it? Oh, it's haunted. <laughs> really? I will take that, that you one. Think the landlord, any time of the year. You think the landlord, a landlord is going to mark down the price because you say it's haunted? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I will take the haunted mansion any time of, of the year, man. It is super big. It is super right, cheap. Give me, uh, yeah, give me that shit. Yeah. Yeah, right? Oh, man. I, I, will, oh. I, will, I will take it and deal with it. <laughs> oh, too bad. Too bad. But right at the end, I mean, she is not re- really the, the landlord of the whole building. Um, her mom is. Well, her mom is. Yeah. I guess she's uh, her. She's teaching her how to handle it and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, she, she is taken away by by the three year old in the end. You know. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's so weird. I mean, yeah, that Hina is such a an angel, I guess, from the pedo's perspective. I mean. Everyone in the district love her so much, you know. Ah, uh, she is everybody, very. Interesting. Everybody love kids. Mm-hmm. Everybody love kids. That's not new. Yeah, that's not new. Yeah. I mean, we were places. We were so we were at the the we were somewhere today, and there were my kids were with me, and they were looking at my kids, and they was like, "Oh, they're angels!" And everybody wanted to play with the kids, and everybody wanted to talk to the kids. Mm-hmm. Everybody love kids, but that's that's nothing new. <laughs> But uh, w- one other aspect of the show uh, on how to tell the kids of what's going on with their, the the parents' situation. Right, you know? and that was one that they never oh. really addressed. It's like, how are you not going to address that? They tried. I mean, in the end, they, 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 I mean, they told the kids what's going on. And I, I don't think that the three all really understand what's going on. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to really get a three-year-old to understand that. I couldn't get my son to understand that. He's he's four now, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't think he could understand that what was really going on in that but, situation. But at least they try. I I think that the circumstance uh, circumstances is real enough that yeah, they they don't even know how how to say things at, at this kid, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, it it is hard, man. It is hard to explain. And I, I mean, even themselves cannot like really move on from the situation yet. They are not stable enough yet. There's a lot going on with them too in their head, you know. And the struggle is real, I guess. Um, yeah. D- despite the uh, the whole thing that um really like uh, become a downfall of the show. The story, I, I really love the story, at least. Um, 
I know this is not your cup of tea and the whole stuff that you just said uh, pretty much ruined the whole show for you at least. But there's still a lot of positive things that I learned from the show. Um, I, I don't think that you watched the, the OVA, right? Um, in the OVA, there are like two episodes OVA. One of the OVA is just like a fan service. Um, the other one is when they pretty much skip or going forward like four years later, um, they do it as a proper job now and the 14-year-old become like an 18-year-old. And they decided to get married to each other. So there's that. <laughs> so I, I guess I this year... This year has a proper ending in the OVA if you are into that kind of stuff. So I know you you don't really like the show, but um, is there any memorable scene in there, man? Um, honestly, what's what's her? I forgot. I clicked away from the thing. Um, the girl who keeps trying to find out his pervy bits, uh, Rika. Rika. Um, when like she's dressed up as like the shrine maiden who's like in bondage. And then all of a sudden, like he walks up to save her, trips. She's like, "Oh, so you like girls? So you like bondage? Okay, yes. No, let me know that time." <laughs> like that. That was funny to me. Like seeing her messing with him was the funny bits of the show. That was like one of the few saving graces for me with the show. I mean, she she's she is like that because she is in like what she's taking like the human study or something, right? She's studying she's like human, human behavior. Yeah, but she's she's that girl's got to be either ADHD or autistic because the way that she doesn't understand social cues and she's unable to properly mask cracks me up because if yeah. someone someone on the spectrum <laughs> who has a child who is autistic and, mm. a, and a child who is ADHD, I see the fact that she cannot mask and I see the fact she's like, you don't know what to do right now in this situation because. You don't. You haven't been watching them well enough. That's yeah. why you're doing human studies because you're yeah. trying to figure out how to mask better to meet these people. Okay, I get this whole show right now as far as this character is concerned. <laughs> yeah, um, for all good and worse, um, she is a very like uh, good comedy relief character in, in here. You know, um, for me, um. One of the memorable scene in here is when, like, uh, when they all go to the, what do you call it, the, the kindergarten, um, singing, what? like, like the the parenting comes to um, see their kids and stuff. What what do you call that? That the whole bit. Oh, the daycare, the daycare yeah. Uh, recital. Yeah, yeah, the recital. Yes, that the. Like pretty much the whole district comes and <laughs> cheering for Rina over there, man. Ah, why wow, that is so sweet. Uh, see all, all the kids like singing um, "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star." Oh my God, my heart just flew away, man. There's some adorableness in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he Hina is such an adorable character. Um, whoever who's behind. That character pretty much make the character alive in the show. Um, yeah, the voice uh, actress 
did a really good job to make the character feels alive, you know. And I like yeah. that. And I like that. Um, all right, characters. Any favorite characters at all in here? Uh, just Rika. Um, I I like um Nimura, the dude. Oh. Help, help this this uh, main character a lot. I guess the best friend. Um, in a way, he he doesn't do a lot, but when he does something to to help this dude, oh, he's such a lifesaver, man. Yeah, he he always comes through clutch, and that the the Cinderella episode was good. Hmm. When yeah, um, Sora, um, lost his uh, lost her way. Doesn't know where. I guess she she. Take a wrong bus, and ended up some, no, somewhere. No, she didn't want to go home. No, she just didn't want to go home because she didn't want. She didn't. She was trying. That was when she was trying to. She was coming to terms with the fact her parents are gone because her normal lifestyle was gone because she couldn't. Oh, oh be that as that ten year old. Oh, the new one with yes. the glass shoe yes. and and everything. Oh, that one. That is uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that one too. Yeah, uh, so I like that dude, and I I like Mew, um, the ten year old too. I I think she is the most mature one out of them all. Um, I mean, she doesn't show um her struggle because she doesn't want to burden um her uncle, I guess. Yeah. But in the end, she's just a little child. She's just a little girl, and she cannot handle it herself. Um, she needs help too. Um, and yeah, but I I love that character so much. So least favorite one. We don't have to say you anything about it. Saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the pedo dude and also the 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 young landlady. Oh my god. Those two, man. All right. So let's conclude the show. Um, for me, I I will recommend the show to other people. I think that the story itself is good enough um, for people to watch. Um, other than the slight mishap or whatever that um, that doesn't go right in the show with with the edgy stuff and. Uh, Character personality and the pedo dude. Um, other than that, the, the whole story is solid. Um, I think it's a good show. Um, how about you, Shannon? Last word. Yeah, no, I absolutely can't stand the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely not. Just no. Just no. Oh my god! All right. So I guess that's it. Um, that is the end of. Our review of Papa no Yukoto wo Kikinasai. Um, if you like what you heard here, please give us a like, give us a follow, and give us a rating on whatever platform that you listen this podcast on. So for our Fungi fam, next week, what are we going to watch next, Shannon? So next we are going to be watching a completely random one that I'm trying to get back to my to random picks because I'm starting to run low on my backup list. And we're going to be watching Tsukimichi Moonlit Fantasy. Is it another isekai, man? Um, I 
don't know if it's technically an isekai. Okay. Okay. There's a reason for that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, All right. I don't yeah. want to give spoilers, so we'll have to we'll have to wait until we talk about it and actually watch it. Okay. Okay. Fair. All right. So we are going to watch um Sukimichi Moonlit Fantasy or something like that. Um, that is nice. Um, if you have any comment or suggestion regarding our show or any of our future show, you can always hit us up on the internet. Where can people find us on the internet, Shannon? As always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Shitake Podcast. Or if you want to shoot us an email, hit us up at Shitake Podcast at gmail.com. All right. With that being said, let's end the podcast like usual. So, um, in reality, the world is very, it's a really harsh place and it is hard to survive out there. But try to try to do something about it and try to survive. And please don't die. Uh, you know, thank God for Raika. Otherwise, there would have been absolutely no time for Opai in this show on principle alone. Yeah, she, she doesn't mind being nude and stuff. Yeah, the social cue stuff, man. Oh, my God. She's really beautiful, but something wrong with her head. <laughs> That's all. That's all. All right, let's see. We know, Shannon. Um, Shitake. Shitake. Shitake.